You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. It's a Tuesday, so it's time for It's My Money with Brenthurst Wealth. And from Brenthurst Wealth this week, I'm speaking to Marie Smith. Marie, you've sent me something which in a way I like and in a way I don't like because it's called offshore endowment and it's something about which I know nothing. So that's bad. But on the upside, it means I'm going to ask questions that people that also know nothing about it will ask you. So I'm the child here. So I'm going to ask you really naive and sometimes stupid questions. But maybe you could give me the background to the piece that you sent me. Okay, no, I hope I can explain it in simple terms so that you can understand. Thank you. Um, Because sometimes I'm a bit too technical for my own good. (laughs) (laughs) But um, the reason why I thought about talking about offshore endowments is, um, like you know, Brentist, we um, recommend offshore investments. Um, We've been recommending them for quite some time. Yes. And especially for high-income earners, um, it is – necessary to take into consideration the tax implications and estate duty implications and so forth. And I found that not a lot of people, as yourself, um, know about the endowment option that's um, available for offshore investments. So a very big misconception is is that an endowment is a type of investment, but it's not actually a type of investment. It's just a structure that you can place your investments, whether it's a unit trust or share portfolio or um, anything like that. So, so it's a vehicle, in other words, because you do say in one, one of the paragraphs that I read earlier on today, it says an endowment is a type of vehicle that often causes confusion. A common misconception is that an endowment is a type of investment, as you've just said. It's not an investment in itself. It's rather an investment vehicle that holds an underlying investment fund. A decision to use an endowment vehicle, you go on to say, should primarily be made for tax and estate planning reasons and not for investment reasons. So the investment comes separately, but this is for, I suppose, the bureaucracy of, of your portfolio. Yes. Um, also, with endowments, it's important to note that they have changed over the years. Um, sometimes I find that people have a negative connotation to endowments because in the past, they often included life and disability cover, and they were generally actually long-term policies. Um, but these days they have changed into investment-only products, so into a cost structure, into structures to place your investment products in. So that's just something that I found also that confuses people with endowments is they generally think about life and disability cover and those type of things when I think about an endowment, but actually it's just a structure to place your investment product within so that you can get tax benefits and estate duty benefits. Okay, there's a very important sentence now, or question rather. It says here, when does an endowment make sense? And I'll leave that to you. When does it make sense? And and to whom does it make sense? Yes, so if you are an investor and your marginal tax rate in South Africa is over 30%, um, so if you're in a high income bracket and you're, you're paying between 31 and 45% income tax, um, you should actually be in an endowment structure. If you're in a share portfolio, if it is a, if it is a unit trust portfolio, and especially for trusts, because trusts are taxed at 45%. Um, so within an endowment structure, if you place those investments within an endowment, the tax 
is completely different because an endowment is taxed within the five fund tax five fund approach. Yes. <laughs> but that doesn't ever mean anything to you as well. So let me explain. Um, both <laughs> local and offshore endowments yeah. um, are taxed at a fixed effective capital gains tax rate of 12% and then a fixed income tax rate of 30%. So instead of, say you're at the 45% rate for individuals, instead of paying 45% on income tax, you're only paying 30% within the product. And instead of paying the maximum of 18% capital gains tax or 36% for trust on capital gains, you're only paying 12%. So it obviously, it's, it's clear as daylight. It just makes sense. It really <laughs> to go does. To endowment structure for tax purposes. Even to me. And what it does is it sort of strips away all the complications of individual sort of tax levels and everything and sort of brings it all into one. You say here it uncomplicates offshore investments tax implications because it's taxed within the product itself, transferring the onus of the calculation and payment of tax on offshore investment earnings to an investment administrator. So it also sort of bundles it all together, which is what I like. Yes, that's also something that I found in the past that the endowments are actually advertised incorrectly. Um, a lot of times I see that they are advertised as tax-free products, but it's not tax-free. Um, it is taxed, but within the product itself at the fixed 30% rate. So anything you receive from the investment, when you withdraw the investment, that's after tax. The tax have already been taken care of by the administrator. Um, just something to take into mind or to consider with an endowment. So yes, the tax is taxed within the product. So that means you don't, you can't use your, your exemptions that you get on CGT or, or interest. Because currently you get 23,800 rand, um, interest exemption and, um, a 40,000 rand capital gains tax exemption if it's in your own personal name. Um, but within the endowment, because it's taxed within the structure, um, you don't, you can't use those exemptions. And um, within that specific product. So you can keep your exemptions for other investments that you may have, but you can't make use of it within the endowment. You talk about the long-term nature of this. It says long-term investment by nature, five years minimum, which is a good thing because it means you can't fiddle with it. You can't uh, say, well, the Dow's up this day and uh, the S&P is up another day and the all-share index is doing something else. So you want to you want to have a look at your investments. But this is a five-year minimum and you have to leave it there. Is that true? Yes, um, it is a five-year minimum, but there are withdrawal um, possibilities. So the, there are restrictions on the number of withdrawals that you can make within the first five years of the portfolio. So you can make one loan or one surrender are permitted. Um, and the maximum withdrawal during this period is limited to the amount that you invested plus interest at 5%. So if you want to do a withdrawal within the first five years, it's at that, it's capped at that. Yes. Um, and the balance, if there's any balance left, that can only be withdrawn after five years. Just something I also want to mention, I, with this five years, um, it's not that the investment comes to an end at the end of five years. It continues, and you keep the, the, the tax benefits and everything. Um, after five years, the only thing that falls away is your restriction to access to the, ca to the investment funds. So it can continue. It goes on. Um, the only thing that's goes away is the restriction on withdrawals. 
The final point you make is you have to appoint a beneficiary. Proceeds, you say, could therefore be paid relatively quickly to a beneficiary and no executive fees would be paid. Is that an important point? I mean, it's your last point and often the last point is the most important. <laughs> yes, so that's for the estate planning reasons, um, why endowment makes sense. The beneficiaries, that's um, regarding the estate planning reasons why you would go into endowments and why it makes sense is because you can appoint a beneficiary, which, which means um, on death, the proceeds would be paid directly to the beneficiaries um, and it wouldn't be uh, need to be handled within the will. So there's nothing that will be frozen for a period of time and the beneficiary can't get access to the capital. And because you've loaded a beneficiary, um, the executor doesn't need to work with this investment at all. So there's no executive fees that would be, need to be paid and percent. So that could be a massive saving on a large portfolio, um, but uh, endowment is still taxed within your estate. So there's still estate duty, but there's no executive fees. Understood, I think. You say in your concluding paragraph, you say it's important to note that endowments have changed over the years. Now, do they change regularly as the government, uh, the, the Treasury changes its stance towards endowments? And if so, you have to keep your eye on the ball, if you see what I mean. Well, um, there can be changes made because it's governed within the Long-Term Insurance Act. Um, if there are changes made within the Act itself regarding the taxation, so the 30%, for example, that everything is taxed fixed at 30%, that can be changed within law. Um, so it's not a given that they won't um, change the tax implications within the structure. So it's something to take notes of. Um, but except for that, the, the endowment, like I said, is not a product on itself. It's more structure. So what you invest into within the structure, um, there's no limitations on how you can invest your endowment. So if it's an offshore endowment, um, you can invest in a direct share portfolio or you can make use of unit trust invest investments or even structured notes that's got guarantees and everything built in. Um, so your investment universe is exactly the same within an endowment structure as would as it would be in any other type of structure. It's just that you get these tax benefits and estate planning benefits um, within the structure if you if it makes sense for your profile if you are in a high income tax bracket. Exactly. You've sort of given me an introduction to my final question. Who should be listening to what you've just said over the last 10 minutes? Obviously, high net worth individuals. Yes, and also people with existing investments, because um, if you are um, if you are in the high income tax bracket and you already have funds offshore um, and it's in a liquid investment, so in other words, it's just in a discretionary unit trust or share portfolio, um, the tax implications can be massive the day you decide to sell. Um, so if, and it's going to happen some other time. So to make the move to endowment structure, you can do it at any time. But unfortunately, because it's a, strange, a change in structure, it would be a withdrawal of the investment and reinvestment into the endowment structure. So if you already have investments, that's something that would have to be taken into account, any capital gains that would be realized. Um, so endowment, you know, like I previously said, um, it makes sense for these reasons, tax and estate planning reasons, um, and not exactly for investment reasons, because um, as I said, any 
you can get access to any type of investment within the structure. It sounds like a complicated structure, but it sounds like an efficient one and one that should be looked at. But Maurice, thank you very much for your analysis. That's Maurice Smith, who is from Brentos Wealth. And that was It's My Money. It's My Money was brought to you by Brentos Wealth, an award-winning boutique wealth management company.